So today we are reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, chapter 6, conversation between Narad and Vyasdev. So in the previous chapter what happened is that Vedvyas is very unhappy with his uh, piece of work which is the Srimad Bhagavatam. He finds it very dry, he is not very happy with what he's created, there's something missing and uh, by some strange coincidence or divine providence as we prefer to call it is uh, Narad Muni appears and uh, Vedvyas uh, asks him, he says, you know what, I'm feeling very disturbed and uh, says, what's wrong? And he tells him, look, this is wrong and uh, he advises him, he says, the reason why it's so dry and it's not really hitting the sweet spot is simply because you have not talked about the pastimes, the forms, the qualities of the Lord. Once you do that, it will get fixed. So the conversation carries on. So this is the conversation between Narad and Vyasdev. Sutta said, O Brahmanas, thus hearing about Sri Narad's birth and activities, Vyasadev, the incarnation of God and son of Satyavati, inquired as follows. Sri Vyasadev said, What did you do after the departure of the great sages who had instructed you in scientific transcendental knowledge before the beginning of your present birth? And as we know from the previous chapter, Narad narrated about how he served these uh, saintly people for a long time and out of great mercy, even though he, was, he says he was not qualified, they actually gave him the transcendental knowledge, they taught him. And that's how he got the knowledge that uh, he is now distributing, right? O son of Brahma, how did you pass your life after initiation and how did you attain this body, having quit your old one in due course? So he is asking about reincarnation, rebirth. O great sage, time annihilates everything in due course. So how is it that this subject matter which happened prior to this day of Brahma is still fresh in your memory undisturbed by time? Fair question, right? And we talked about the subtle mind, right? We talked about how the subtle mind goes along with the soul, right? And look at, this is very important what he is saying. He says, which happened prior to this day of Brahma. So that means there was a, in a previous millennium, there was another Brahma. So this Brahma is different. Previous Brahmas are different. And as we actually talked, I think probably in uh, Bhagavad Gita is, Anybody who's led a perfect life is entitled to be a Brahma. And there's not one Brahma, there are many, many Brahmas. And you'll see later that they I talked about so many Brahmas. So a lot of people have this conception, Brahma is one, but that's not the case. So how is this still fresh in your memory? You've taken rebirth. Sri Narad said, the great sages who had imparted scientific knowledge of transcendence unto me, departed for other places and I had to pass my life in this way. I was the only son of my mother who was not only a simple woman but a maidservant as well. So now this is what we talked about, Shudra, maidservant. And he was a son of a maidservant. Still he is a Brahmana. Qualities, qualification, uh, attitude, so many things, right? So scripture tells us these things but we don't pay attention to this, right? Since I was her only offspring, she had no other alternative for protection. She bound me with the tie of affection. She couldn't give him much, but she could give him love and affection. She wanted to look after my maintenance properly, but because she was not independent, she was not able to do anything for me. And this is something that, you know, a lot of uh, 
girls, women, females who work for me, friends I've met throughout my life. This is one piece of advice I always give them. And uh, that is a woman should always be of independent means. The moment a woman becomes dependent and her only source is her husband or whoever it is, then she is dependent. She can't lead. She, her life's controlled. Education, wealth, all of these things a woman needs to be able to stand on her own feet. That's the way she can command respect. Uh, you can't demand respect. You can't demand love. Love happens. Uh, respect is something, respect, admiration, adoration, all of these things you command. So look at what, she, look at, this is very, very important and it's really so essential to understand this. Because she was not independent, she was not able to do anything for me. You think she didn't want to? Of course she wanted to, but she couldn't. The world is under the full control of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, everyone is like a wooden doll in the hands of a puppet master. And who is the master puppeteer? Krishna. He is got that right there. And if you, who was it? Shakespeare who said, all the world's a stage and we are but actors. Something like that, to that effect. Right? When I was a mere child of five years, I lived in a Brahmana school. I was dependent on my mother's affection and had no experience of different lands. Once upon a time, my poor mother, when going out one night to milk a cow, was bitten on the leg by a serpent, influenced by supreme time. So even that he's saying is karma. Time, place, circumstance, reason, season, lifetime. Again, you come back to this whole thing of the matrix of six, which is a vast topic in itself. And I guess we'll talk about that at some point. I took this as the special mercy of the Lord, who always desires benediction for his devotees. You'll say, wait, what's going on? A serpent has bitten his mother and look at his mood and look at his level of surrender. He's saying, it's okay, the serpent's bitten my mother, influenced by supreme time. I took this as a special mercy of the Lord. So even though it's actually a calamity, and most people will end up, oh my God, what did God do? Oh my God, you know, all of these kind of reactions we have and things don't go right. But look at a surrendered person. Anything and everything that happens, he says, it's the will of God. Now that's not a fatalistic attitude, mind you, okay? It's a level of surrender. I took this as special mercy of the Lord who always desires benediction for his devotees. And so thinking, I started for the north. Because he'd never seen other lands, right? After my departure, I passed through many flourishing metropolises, towns, villages, animal farms, mines, agricultural lands, valleys, flower gardens, nursery gardens and natural forests. I passed through the hills, mountains full of reservoirs of various minerals like gold, silver and copper and through the tracts of land with reservoirs of water filled with beautiful lotus flowers, fit for the denizens of heaven. Decorate with bewildered bees and singing birds. I then passed alone through many forests of rushes, bamboo, reeds, sharp grass, weeds and caves, which were very difficult to go through alone. I visited deep, dark and dangerously fearful forests, which were the playards of snakes, owls and jackals. Thus travelling, I felt tired, both bodily and mentally, and I was both thirsty and hungry. So I took a bath in a river, lake and also drank water. 
By contacting water, I got relief from my exhaustion. After that, under the shadow of a banyan tree in an uninhabited forest, I began to meditate upon the super soul situated within, using my intelligence as I had learned from those liberated souls. So this is knowledge that he had acquired and he is now practicing that knowledge. He has gone into meditation. As soon as I began to meditate upon the lotus feet of the personality of Godhead, with my mind transformed in transcendental love, tears rolled down my eyes. And without delay, the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna appeared on the lotus of my heart. This is also a teaching. And I think I spoke about this, saying that when you visit a temple, when you go to have darshan of the deities, most people, most people, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the people look at the face and the decoration of the beautiful murtis that we see. But that's not the mood in which you actually study a murti and you go and because this is the supreme personality, this is God in the form of a stone maybe, you start by first looking at the feet. And if you see they wear dhotis, you know, uh, pitambar and all of those things, just the feet are protruding. And you can see the feet, feet will have kumkum, kum, kum, right? And the feet will be placed on a lotus kind of a pedestal. So that's how you start worshipping the Lord. That's how you start studying Him. You look at His feet, you go up, you look at the pitambar, you look at the kamarband, you look at the bazuband. You look at all of these things before you look at the jewellery that they are wearing on their chest, the bangles, the earrings. And then finally you make eye contact and look at the mukut, the crown. That's the way in which you study uh, 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 a deity, you know, or when you meet. It shows humility because you're not meeting the person's gaze directly. Between us, it's the best thing. You know, you meet a person's gaze directly. You don't look anywhere else. That shows sincerity. But when you're worshipping the Lord, you start with the lotus feet. O Vyasdev, at that time, being exceedingly overpowered by feelings of happiness, every part of my body became separately enlivened. Being absorbed in an ocean of ecstasy, I could not see both myself and the Lord. The transcendental form of the Lord as it is satisfies the mind's desire and at once eases all mental incongru incongruities. Upon losing that form, I suddenly got up being perturbed as is usual when one loses that which is desirable. I desired to see again that transcendental form appeared for a fleeting moment felt so nice and then it was gone. Uh, in fact, there are temples, you know, where they have the method in which they uh, expose the deity. So, there's a curtain that goes boom, 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 boom. Where is it? This is, I think, Radharaman in Vrindavan, if I'm not mistaken. And there, the, the, you can't stand there and stand before the deity. The curtain opens for a moment, you see, and the curtain closes. It leaves you in so much, uh, you know, uh, anxiety and it's in so much, you, you just want to see the deity, but the curtain shut again. It builds that anticipation for the next glimpse that you're going to get. Seeing many, my, my attempts in that lonely place, the personality of Godhead, who is transcendental to all mundane descriptions, spoke to me with gravity and pleasing words just to mitigate my grief. O Narad, the Lord spoke. I regret that during this lifetime, you will not be able to see me anymore. Those who are incomplete in service and who are not completely free from all material taints can hardly see me. 
Oh virtuous one, you have only seen my person. You have only once seen my person. And this is just to increase your desire for me. Because the more you hanker for me, the more you will be freed from all material desires. By the service of the absolute truth, even for a few days, a devotee attains firm and fixed intelligence in me. Consequently, he goes on to become my associate in the transcendental world after giving up the pleasant, deplorable material worlds. Intelligence engaged in my devotion cannot be thwarted at any time. Even at the time of creation as well as at the time of annihilation, your remembrance will continue by my mercy. And we talked about childbirth. Until that time, the child is aware about the previous births and all the knowledge but the pain and the anxiety of coming into uh, the material world, in most cases, more often than not, uh, the child forgets his previous association. But in Narad's case, he gives him a benediction. Your remembrance will continue by my mercy, he says. Then that supreme authority personified by sound and unseen by eyes, but most wonderful, stopped speaking. Feeling a sense of gratitude, I offered my obeisances unto him, bowing my head even though he was not physically present. Thus I began chanting the holy name and fame of the Lord by repeated recitation, ignoring all the formalities of the material world. Such chanting and remembering of the transcendental pastimes of the Lord are benedictory. So doing, I travelled all over the earth fully satisfied, humble and unenvious. And so, O Brahmana Vyasdev, in due course of time, I who was fully absorbed in thinking of Krishna and who therefore had no attachments, being completely freed from all material taints, met with death as lightning and illumination occur simultaneously. Contradiction. Died and born instantaneously. Having been awarded, having been awarded a transcendental body befitting an associate of the personality of Godhead, I quit the body made of five material elements and thus all acquired fruitive results of work karma stopped. At the end of the millennium, when the personality of Godhead Lord Narayan lay down within the water of devastation, Brahma began to enter into him along with all creative elements and I also entered through his breathing. So that's how he took rebirth. After 43 million, I think that is too many zeros for my comprehension. I think 43 million solar years when Brahma awoke to create again by the, that is one day in the life of Brahma, by the way. Huh? We talked about, you know, uh, one day in the life of Brahma. So 43 million or 43, 4.3 billion, whatever it is. When Brahma awoke to create again by the will of the Lord, all the rishis like Marichi, Angira, Atri and so on were created from the transcendental body of the Lord and I also appeared with them. Since then, by the grace of the Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and the, in the three divisions of the material world. This is because I am fixed in unbroken devotional service of the Lord. That's how he can materialize anywhere he wants to. I don't know whether you guys have heard of uh, this book by T. Lobsang Rampa. He was a Tibetan monk and he talks about astral traveling. It's called the third eye operation and the Tibetans believe it. So when the third eye opens, uh, you can actually 
physically be present in one place and you can travel astrally to another place. So they've talked about it. I don't know how true it is, but there's a lot of books and it's it's the subject matter of a lot of study as well. And thus I travel constantly, he says. The Supreme Lord Krishna, whose glories and activities are pleasing to hear, at once appears on the seat of my heart as if called for as soon as I began to chant his holy activities. It is personally experienced by me that those who are always full of cares and anxieties due to desiring contact of the senses with their objects can cross the ocean of nescience on a most suitable boat. The constant chanting of the transcendental activities of the personality of Godhead. That's the boat that you use to go across. So that's your vehicle. The name, fame, pastimes of the Lord is your vehicle to go wherever you want to go. In fact, there's a book by Prabhupada, it's called uh, Easy Journey to Other Planets. And he talks about how you can actually go from one place to another, not within this body, of course, but in the process of rebirth. It is true that by practicing restraint of the senses by the yoga system, one can get relief from the disturbances of desire and lust. But this is not sufficient to give satisfaction to the soul. For this, satisfaction is, deri is derived from devotional service to the personality of Godhead. O Vyasadeva, you are freed from all sins. And thus, I have explained my birth and activities for self-realization as you asked. All this will be conducive for your personal satisfaction also. He is giving him his own experience. He is sharing his experience. Sutta Goswami said, Thus addressing Vyasadeva, Srila Narad Muni took leave of him and vibrating on his veena, Narayan, Narayan, he used to say, he left to wander at his own free will. All glory and success to Sri Narad Muni because he glorifies the activities of the personality of Godhead and so doing, he himself takes pleasure and also enlivens the distressed souls of the universe. Remember that story I told you, right? About Narad goes to heaven and he sees Narayan and he comes to this king and he comes to this pauper, right? To this very humble person. And uh, he goes to the king and the king says, you've just come from the celestial kingdom. What did you see? And Narad says, oh, I saw the Lord passing an elephant through the eye of a needle. And he says, what hogwash? I mean, what are you, what are you smoking? Are you on something? I mean, why are you giving me all of this? And he goes and meets that poor noble soul. And that noble soul says, oh, wow, my Lord can do anything. So the different ways of, you know, so, so Narad keeps on traveling 